Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best internet minds in the business. Now, here is your host, internet brand strategist, Sandra Beck. Hey guys and dolls, we've got a great show today. We're going to be visiting with Ann Tucker. She's the author of Undoubtedly Awesome, and she's an internationally known speaker on decision-making, leadership, personal transformation, self-doubt, and she's developed this unique test to identify an individual soul type and illuminate the mental processes behind every decision. Now, if you want to follow along at home uh, on your computer, go to undoubtedlyawesome.com. And you can you can read about Anne. You can look at her site, see her book, uh, take her survey, and um, hire her as a speaker if you want. She's very very good, which is why I've done I don't know five or six shows at least with you, Anne. Every time I I walk away, I I know more about myself. I know more about you know everything that I'm doing. Uh, I just think it's great. I I just love being on the air with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I love being on the air with you too. <laughs> <laughs> so easy. It's so much fun. And I used to be riddled with doubt. You know, I was very good at making decisions. I could always pull the trigger. But the moments coming up to the decision until I, once I made the decision, I could stick with it and go with it. And I think it was most of my like like military influence where it was like better to pull the trigger and make a decision. And then you have more time to adjust after if it's the wrong one than yeah. hem and haw the last minute then make the decision and give yourself no wiggle room to adjust. And um, as an entrepreneur, I think we have to shoot from the hip an awful lot. And that's, um, I've gotten better at it over the years, but I wouldn't say that uh, my decision-making processes have always been the best. Yeah. Although what you're talking about, that ability to sort of start moving now and then adapt along the way, that's a real skill. It's a talent. (laughs) As you know, and it's really useful when you're trying to build up, you know, when you are like an entrepreneurial situation where you need to react fast. It's, you know, that 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 uh, thing about just getting moving can be such a, a benefit. Well, and I think there were two things that helped me, uh, you know, acquire that. I, I was trained as a lifeguard and I was a water safety instructor. And they, I remember my first, uh, my first swim coach and I was a swimmer from the time I was four to college. So, you know, I was always around the water, grew up on the water, swam and sailed. And, um, I remember my my coach and my teachers going, move, like, get going, like, <laughs> react. And I would jump out of my skin. I mean, if I could have jumped out of my bathing suit, I would have. <laughs> but they were always in our face, almost like drill instructors going, you know, you've got three seconds to make a decision. You've got five seconds to make a decision. And, you know, when it comes to especially like, you know, water safety or water issues, you know, if you're in a river, you're in a stream, if there's waterfalls, yes. if there's rocks, if there's debris, if there's whatever, you know, you have to assess so quickly. And so they really trained us to go through like five different questions, you know, you know, or like triage when we learned basic triage, you know, which is handling somebody else's emergency, that kind of decision-making, I find myself even doing that when I don't have to, I'm like, survey the scene, triage, 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 triage. 
Well, one of my friends did a great book called Selling on the Edge, and he did a he, his mom was a triage nurse, and he developed a system to triage for salespeople. And he yeah. was like, you know, you get to the 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 one with the greatest pain and need first. You know, the person yeah. who needs to buy the house tomorrow is, you know, mm-hmm. you, you you know, and he he used this kind of triage methodology to go through sorting sales prospects, and it was really neat. But these these skill sets really do help us, but they're acquired. You're not necessarily born with a lot of this stuff. Very true. Well, some of us are, you are, but, but most people like (laughs) most people need to learn how to do it. You know, it's an an interesting thing when you were talking about that, it reminded me of a time when I was uh, on a river rafting accident. I, you know, it was one of those, you know, where you're, you're rafting down the river and we hit some rapids and my, my raft flipped over and I was sucked down into a sinkhole, which is the space sort of behind a rock where the water kind of all, it's like a waterfall inside the river, if you can imagine. And I was, I was right at the bottom of this and the, the force of the water was so strong. It pulled my, I had these wetsuit booties on it, pulled them right off my feet. So you can imagine how, how strong this force was. And I remember when I was underwater, how, um, you know, you're in that panic moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And the weirdest thing is that time slows down your perception of time. So that you actually have longer to make decisions <laughs> when you're in that, when you're like in that emergency, a true emergency. And I learned later that what's actually happening is that your the rate at which your eyes see things um, increases when you're in a panic environment, that you actually get more images per second than you normally do. So your perception of time slows down. So you do actually get more decision time because you're perceiving more time than you normally do. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. And that, you know, you just illustrated, like I almost drowned in front of my brothers and sisters because I flipped over in a kayak in a, in a yeah. foot of water. But yeah. I was... I was stuck in a place where I couldn't get either paddle to push myself around. And I was, you know, and then I was like, and everything was so slow. And I still, to this day, I can remember what the rocks looked like on the bottom of the lake. I'm like, they're so pretty. There's like blue and purple and green and yellow and gray. And, you know, there was like little algae in between them. Like it was like this mosaic. And I remember... I remember things so clearly. I remember what the water tastes like, you know, and and sucking Mm -hmm. all this water. And, you know, thankfully, my I think it was my littlest brother flipped the raft over and he's like, ha ha, we were all laughing, thinking you were drowning. I'm like, I was drowning. Brothers and sisters for you get you every time. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but it's true. Everything does slow down. And mm-hmm. um, do you find that if you're in a panic in your business, does the same thing happen or does it have to be life threatening? Do you know, I have never seen anybody in a business environment go into that level of shock. (laughs) I think it has to be true peril. So most of us have to deal with our regular rate of uh, of time, regular passage of time and trying to deal with our own decision processes. And some of us are better built for for making fast decisions than others depending on you know as you know in my book I talk a lot about soul types and and different soul types are better in fast moving environments and other soul types are better in slower moving environments we each have different skills we're bringing to the table and those really feature in sort of different aspects of you know uh, different different environments 
Well, and I think, um, you know, a couple things come into play, too. It's like, you know, when I was growing up and I played with my brothers and a bunch of the local, you know, kids, and there was it was like 20 to one guys to girls. And if you didn't <laughs> want to get hit by a hockey puck or hit with a ball or you wanted to get an Oreo cookie, you had to think fast. You had to react yeah. fast. So it's hard for me to tell where one ends and the other begins. But b- before we get into all that, I'd like to thank our sponsor today, uh, Smile Direct Club. And they're a company that believes you shouldn't have to pay a fortune to get a smile that you love. Now, Smile Direct Club aligners are affordable. They're 70% uh, less than other brands and braces. And you could save even more with insurance or an FSA. Many dental insurance plans reimburse customers for a portion of this cost of invisible aligners. And Smile Direct Club accepts FSAs. Now, there's two easy ways to pay. A single pay is a single payment of $1,700 with your lab cost waves. Or other invisible liners can cost up to $5,000. I know I paid $7,500 for my son. He needs an implant and very extensive work. And Smile Direct Club doesn't work for everyone. But if it does... You can do the Smile Pay, which is only $250 down, $99 a month for 17 months, a total of $19.33, no credit check required. Now, you can get started at home with an at-home impression for only $95, and it's covered by their Smile Guarantee. So if the aligners aren't a good fit for you, you get your money back. Now, with this special offer I'm going to give you today, you can save 50% on this evaluation cost. If you are in a local area with the Smile Shop, go to SmileDirectClub.com and look for the ones in your area. You can go and see a preview of your future Smile. They use proprietary cutting-edge technology to help you avoid the inconvenience and cost of monthly office visits to your dentist or orthodontist. And if you're rural like me, I live on a horse ranch, getting to the dentist or orthodontist is a, is a sometimes a two- to three-hour round trip. And so this cuts not only your travel cost, but the cost of the product itself up to 70%. They use board-certified state-licensed dentists and orthodontists within the Smile Direct Club network. Treatment time averages six months, but can range from three to six months. And this is a great solution. This is why I use them, because I had braces in my 20s, and now in my 40s, my teeth have shifted and it's very hard for me to floss in between. It's very hard for me to keep my teeth clean. So Smile Direct is fixing my smile right now. So if you want to save 50% off the cost of Smile Direct's at-home impression kit, visit SmileDirectClub.com and use the promo code COACHTALK, just like today's show, Coach Talk. Now, this is unavailable in North Carolina. Visit SmileDirectClub.com and use Coach Talk if you or your children ages 12 plus or any Anyone you know is interested in straightening their smile. So thank you, Smile Direct Club. We'll be back with Ann Tucker of Undoubtedly Awesome at the break, and we're going to talk more about the decision-making process for entrepreneurs. We'll be back after the break. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, 
ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's marching never heard. It's summertime, and you know what that means. Attack of the Mosquitoes. Other names for the mosquito are Galley Nipper, Katie Nipper, Gabber Napper, and Gelly Whopper. A quote from the 1906 book The Parsons Boys asserts that Galley Nippers are so called because at each nip, they took a gallon. Mitzi is a deceptively cute shortening of mosquito that might be heard in Ohio. If you're in Virginia and hear someone complaining about cousins, they might have annoying relatives, or they might just be talking about mosquitoes. Why do they call mosquitoes cousins? Because there are so many and they stick so close. But whatever you call them, all this begs the question, why didn't Noah swat those two mosquitoes? It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. Hey, guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and we're here today with Ann Tucker, author of Undoubtedly Awesome. Now, we were talking about kind of how people are different and, and we get better with decision-making and, you know, and I'm going to also talk about family of origin too, because I'm the middle child. So, you know, the baby gets everything, the older one gets everything first. And, you know, when you're in the middle and I'm, I've got older and younger brothers and sisters, you got to think quick. You know, if you want that last Oreo, if you want to get, if you want to get the front seat in the car, you've got to get a <laughs> jump on your brothers and sisters. And, you know, we laugh about these things, but I truly believe that being the middle child, being surrounded by my brothers, sharing a room with both my brother at one time and my sister at one time. And the reason my oldest brother had cancer, so he needed a room to himself. So my younger brother and I bunked up for a while, but all of these experiences, um, helped shape me for the entrepreneurial experience. If I wanted to play with my brothers, I had to strap on some skates and stand in goal and let them take pot shots at me in freezing cold Buffalo weather. It was well <laughs> worth it because I learned to adapt. I learned to make decisions quickly. I learned there's so much that I, I owe to my brothers. I learned to duck and cover, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but I also learned that you could, you could speak up. And that was one thing that, that I think men do a lot better than women. I don't know if it's cultural, if it's, if it's, you know, physical, but my brothers don't have any trouble stating what they want. Clearly my sisters and I are, I don't know if we know what we want. I don't know if we're just used to accommodating to everybody else. I know as a mother, I got used to deferring to my kids and my ex-husband so much that I didn't even know I could care less what I wanted anymore. Yeah. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think life shapes us too with all this. It's really true. You know, I think that the 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 first thing you were talking about 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 that sort of becoming indoctrinated into this you know boy culture growing up. You know, I would argue that you that you actually your ability to make decisions quickly wasn't something that you got from learning from them, that it was something that you were born with and that it came out and okay. made you a good playmate for your, for your brothers. Um, that, that, and it's interesting as an entrepreneur, it really shines because you, you are in an environment where you, that, that being able to make decisions quickly helps you to build momentum quickly. So it helps you to go to get things started really, which is where, you know, entrepreneurialism is all, you know, that big edge that you have is the ability to get things started, but there's, you know, other ways of coming at decisions that, if you are an entrepreneur and you don't have this ability, if you don't have that same sort of very fast decision making, um, it depends on what what type of a of a company you're starting. If you're starting a service oriented business, then a different soul type is really going to shine. So it depends on what specific environment are you in. Does it really cater to? So for you in particular, that that ability to move quickly, to decide quickly, is a forte. That's what you're what you're best at. So it, it, right, but it, my customer service is pretty bad. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll be honest. If somebody doesn't get to the point quickly, if if mm-hmm. I can't solve it quickly, I yeah. get impatient. And yeah. I will say that, like, Aaron and Robin and Michael, who work for me, they are the nicest people in the world. They are so yeah. different in communicating they're they even like when I talk about them my voice slows down it gets kinder they yeah. they're more patient and you know I'm more like this because they call these <laughs> they say my my emails are machine gun emails they're like <laughs> they get an email, it's like boom 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 boom, boom. Stick like, you don't even right. sign half of them so now I put this this um automatic signature on there because I realized I, I wasn't even signing the emails I, I would always say please and thank you like please yeah. Please would you please would you please would you and they're they're just like it was just like machine gun rapid fire. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's actually really interesting talking about like who does what and what kind of a company. One of my favorite things to do is to look at um, uh, founder companies that are multi generational. So if you look at look at what happened to a company when it was started, and then what happened to it after the founder passes away and the and the children come into power. And um, if you heard of like uh, like one example is the Vanderbilt family. Um, so if you've heard of them, they were the, sort of one of the original American tycoon families. This, they made their money in railroads. And the the original founder, um, his name was Cornelius Vanderbilt. He, people called him the Commodore. And his decision, his decision, the way he made decisions, his soul type was very similar to yours. Is that he was really rapid fire, really fast. And it made him really good at starting something. So he he started out with absolutely nothing. He was like a river rat. He borrowed mother money from his mother and started, you know, hauling cargo on the water. And he what he did is every time he came across a new route, either a new cargo route for 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 the for shipping on the you know on the water, and then eventually for railroads, he would play a game of chicken with whoever he was trying to take the route from. He would start competing with them, underpricing, you know, and basically trying to drive them out of business. And then they had to choose either to buy him out. Or to uh, to um, uh, essentially lose the route, and he did this over and over and over again, and made a ton of money, right? So it was just a very much like very rapid fire, very fast approach. And then when he died, his son came on board, and his son took over, and his son was a, was in actually a totally different soul type. He was this much more than one we were talking about, where you're much more uh, diplomatic, much better with people. And the son took the same business that had now grown to the point where it was a very established business, very heavily regulated business because it was railroads. And he came in and he doubled that business and became the wealthiest man in the United States. 
So it's it's about where are you in terms of how you make choices in your soul type, your the way that you make decisions. What environment are you in? What kind of a business is it? Does it allow your particular gifts to shine? Wow, that is so amazing that that you say that because you know I think people think that when they're good at business, they can be good at anything. And I found that that for me, that's not the case. Yeah, not at all. And if you look at just this example, if you look at Cornelius' son, his name was William. If he had been the one that tried to start that business way back when, it would have never started. It just that's not who he was. And same thing is if you know Cornelius had stuck around, if he had been there when William was in charge, well, the business would have failed because there was all kinds of railroad strikes going on. There was all kinds of regulation, and he just didn't have the temperament. He didn't have the skills required to lead the business through that next phase. So it's it really is it's it's it sort of I feel like if you're gonna really shine on what you're doing, it's about finding the spot that lines up with your skills. So how do you know? Like you know, is this something that your book can help us do? Well, the my book can help you see. My book will tell you your soul types. It has a survey in there with just three questions. It'll tell you your soul type, and then when you read about your soul type, it'll tell you specifically what your skills are. And it's focusing on on the creative aspects, how you create in the world, so how you think and how you solve problems, and that is expressed through how you make decisions. So decisions are like the prism that all of your creative energy goes through and directs it in one direction. So I focus in on that one thing, and that tells us a whole lot about how you express your creative talent in the world. And so when you read about your soul type, it'll tell you specifically what your decision process looks like and what specific skills that gives you. So what part of the problem you're going to be best at. So some of us are better on the front end of the problem, either coming up with a solution or coming up with a plan. Some of us are better sort of in that middle phase of getting us moving or getting us aligned, right? So it depends on on really where, where you fit into that puzzle. So the real fast-moving decision types like yours are going to be better uh, in fast-moving businesses that turn over. So technology is great. Anything that's, you know, that really requires momentum and quick movement and, and very fast judgment. Other people uh, who are going to be on the other end of the spectrum are going to be better at companies that have longer life cycles that are maybe in a are service oriented things that um, where the products don't turn over that quickly where they have time to invest in people and invest in relationships oh that part you just like the last part of that when you said that you invest in people and you invest in relationships that is the hardest thing for me in fact <laughs> I was just thinking about you this week because one of the gals who works for me remotely you know and she's on the other side of the country and she's very very sensitive you know she's always yeah. like well you know if you don't need me to do this and well if you know you don't really want me to do this anymore oh well you it drives me absolutely <laughs> it's like I wouldn't be talking to you and asking you these questions if I didn't so that emotional maintenance not yes. my strong point and yes. but this week after reading your book and doing a bunch of shows with you I kind of ratcheted it back in myself and said okay I'm gonna go with this I'm gonna be emotionally nurturing and find <laughs> some patience and it was a concerted effort because it's not that's not in my nature like yeah. I, I don't even why it is. And I don't know if I'm an unfeeling monster or I just, it's just not my thing. So I really had to think of you this week and slow down enough and do some emotional maintenance so that we could all go on and play happily together. 
Oh, yeah. And you know what's interesting about it is that the fact that that's hard for you is every one of our strengths comes with an associated weakness. So the fact that that's hard for you is just a reflection of the fact that you have the ability to move quickly. So you can't have one without the other. Do you know what I mean? Is that you can't be incredibly fast moving and decisive and able to build momentum and at the same time be very focused on your relationships and build and taking care of people in that process. That it's it is essentially, if you're going to take a particular strength, you also have the baggage of the weaknesses that come with it. And you can learn to be more flexible, like you were in that call, like you stretched yourself and and borrowed some traits from another soul type, so that you could relate to that person better. Um, But but it's being aware of what our weaknesses are being aware of where those gaps are can really help us and getting along with other soul types. Well, and it was truly a cognitive decision. You know, it was really just a, a matter of, it was like problem solving. It was like, okay, this person is feeling this. Okay, I could either ignore it and go back to work. Well, but then it would come up again like three more times in the next week. So why don't we just <laughs> deal with it now? And I didn't feel a whole lot of compassion or feeling. It was more of, okay, I knew what I needed to do. Um, but at the end of the day, we all got what we needed. And isn't that, yeah. you know, we're here to get the job done at the end of the yeah. day. Because if we yes. don't, we're all out of business. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. I sound the heartless monster. Bomber. No, not at all. Not, and you know what? It, it's, it's, it's not at all heartless because the, the part that you're playing is so important and it's so needed by a lot of people is that ability to get moving is so valuable. Um, so sometimes we need to set our feelings, our feelings aside and just, just go. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I'm having a problem with in my personal life is, is switching from one gear to the other, but that's for a whole nother show. Um, it's, <laughs> it's hard to call the shots all day and then, and then step into, you know, different roles because I think, you know, when you talk about these soul types, they do, they do permeate our personal lives too, not just our oh, business sure. lives. Uh, yeah, we're visiting sure. today with Ann Tucker. She's the author of undoubtedly awesome. She wrote a book about doubt in the decision-making process. I highly, highly, highly recommend it because it kept me from chewing the head off of one of the girls who works for me. And instead I was patient (laughs) and I was supportive and I was all the things that I normally am not. and, And as a result, we got the job done. We'll be back after the break. ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner do you need more laughter and less loudness more self-love and less self-loathing more joy and less judgment you're not alone come to the living room A place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's March 
notice that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all cringle-crangled and jitterty-jitterty the next year. Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. Hey, guys and dolls. This is Sandra, and I'm here with Coach Talk Radio, and Ann Tucker is our guest, author of Undoubtedly Awesome. And we are talking today about the soul types that are in her business and or in her book and how they've translated to my business. And one of the things I found in examining these soul types, not only did I learn how to be as an entrepreneur more patient with the other soul types, I started recognizing other soul types that I can work with and work with well and those I should avoid. And and what happened, interestingly enough, is this is also translated over into my personal life. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What is, so what did you find? What experience did you have? Well, I found that, you know, and I, I have different definitions of the soul types than you do. I've, I've renamed them, but, but, you know, one of the groups is the touchy feelies and, you know, the touchy feelings. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have used that word, but that's good. No, no, I know it's insulting and pejorative. Um, but the touchy feelies, I know immediately upon meeting a touchy feely, whether it's at the PTA, whether it's at, you know, uh, the kids softball game or, uh, you know, and it's in my business too. I know that my kind of direct straight shooting, mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to come off as opinionated bossy and, you know, you don't want to be my friend. So now that I've kind of got <laughs> that out on the table, um, you know, I, avoid chatting up people like that, or I can move on to another person that I might be more in simpatico with. And so learning these soul types have helped me and they've helped me a lot too. Like recently, both of my kids are graduating and it's so stupid. Like, I'm just going to say this. It's like a sixth grade graduation and eighth grade graduation. And I'm not into all this. My graduation from high school was a big deal. I graduated from college. I've had two graduations in my life. That's enough. I don't need preschool, kindergarten, sixth grade, eighth grade, and 12th yeah, grade. But graduating I, from the soccer team, right? Yes. <laughs> I love the parents and all their effort, the teacher and the schools put into them, but I am not into this and I think it's overkill. And I've learned to keep my big trap shut at these meetings about yeah. my opinion. But when I recognize some of the soul types that I kind of grate on like nails on a chalkboard, yeah, you ratchet it back, I do... I do adjust my behavior um, and I adjust my way of communicating with them, even though I'm absolutely drained, just drained <laughs> to like tiny little like particles of my being after these meetings. I do it yeah. and I get yeah. a lot more done and it's a lot more productive, which really at the end of the day is the name of the game. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's really interesting, actually, as I was developing the model that then informs all the different soul types, there are opposites on this in terms of how the soul types are seven different soul types and they do work out so that each soul type has an opposite. And the ones that you're calling the touchy feely, I call the coaching soul and they are your direct opposite. And they're, they're in that. So what's happened there is, is that their weaknesses are your strengths and your strengths are their weaknesses is how that plays out. And, and that, that can end up being a situation where you meet someone who has your weaknesses or has, has essentially the balance to your weaknesses. It can be really irritating, (laughs) but in many cases, it's also the skill that you need to, in order to, to get your work done, that we, we can learn a lot by absorbing some of what they have. And the funniest thing is that a lot of people will marry their opposite soul type, that they will choose their opposite soul type as a, as a partner in life. And it's, I think it's there's somewhere deep inside us that we instinctively know that these are traits that we're lacking, that these are traits that we, we should have as part of our whole balanced picture. Well, and it's so funny you say that because, you know, when I, when I coach people to, to hire people, I tell them, you know, hire the touchy feelies, you know, hire yeah. the, you know, and I have this criteria. It, it's like, you know, hire somebody who wants to do what you're not good at, what you yeah. don't want to do and what you absolutely hate to do. Cause I think there's yeah. a difference. And so if I can get somebody, even if I don't like the person and they drive me nuts cause they're emotional, they're emoting all over the place. Yeah. Um, if they do what I hate, I love them. Yeah. You know, I hate to do the billing. And and when Julia comes in and she brings flowers and she cleans up the office, she does all these really nice things and I appreciate yeah. them very much. So I would never think to do these things. But what I appreciate more than anything is she does the billing and she gets it right and she gets it done and I don't have to. And for that, I will love her forever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's an interesting thing. If you once you learn about the different soul types, you can start to notice patterns where you'll find yourself gravitating towards one or two other soul types. And then there'll be maybe one or two soul types that you find that you don't connect with as well, that it's harder or and, and sometimes it's your opposite. Sometimes it's not. You'll find that a lot of your friends end up being one particular soul type. So it's interesting when if you are dating or if you're out in the world meeting people, um, you can start to when you first interact with people, you'll know, oh, I really click with this person and you'll know why is because underneath it all, you have the same way of thinking, the same way of approaching problems in the world. And that's the, that's the point of connection. You'll get excited about the same things and have the same perspective. Um, but in terms so that of that means I need to marry a touchy feely. <laughs> well, you know, not necessarily, but having <laughs> a touchy feely help you in your job is a great idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cause sometimes I'll have a meeting and then I'll see a couple of people's faces and I'll go, Robin, mm-hmm. you need to call these people and just fix it. Just do what you do and just fix it. And she does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And she yeah, loves and- to listen. There are people out there, Anne, that love to listen. They really, and they're, and they're extremely gifted at it. That particular soul type, the coaching soul type, they have this amazing gift. When they look at people, they are able to see that person as their very best self. So they, when they interact with them, that's, that's actually what they see. And they mirror that to the person. So when you're talking to a coaching soul, you're seeing yourself reflected back to you as the person you, you, would like to be your best self and it inspires you to live up to that so they're they're wonderful people developers wonderful managers um they're also really great at details they're really great at coming up with processes and procedures are really hard working so they're as a soul type they are they are definitely people who get things done 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny when you think about, you know, dating and you think about PTO meetings. I also took the book and started applying it to my kids because I have two boys and I love to shrink them. Like I love to play mommy (laughs) shrink. You know, I don't tell them that I'm shrinking them. But, you know, I was sitting there like, you know, like, you know, by the way, I'm like, oh, so son, when you buy a video game, (laughs) do you like like, totally? And you have these questions like you like share the questions that you that you ask like in your, your, uh, you know, two minute evaluation. And what's neat about the questions is that you can actually kind of think it through with people that, you know, you can probably get these answers just by thinking through the last time you went to lunch with this person and how they behaved. So the first question is, is how, how fast or slow do they decide things? So you can think about it in terms compared to yourself. Are they faster than you or slower than you? Or on average, are you slower or faster? So this person is faster. They're going to be going down one side of the flow chart. Slower is the other. And then the right, next I got one of, slow and one fast. Okay, so then, and then the next set of questions for for both of them is going to be in general: Do they tend to, when they're telling a story, do they tend to tell just the facts and the details, tell you what happened and the and the facts about it, or do they go a little deeper and tell you how it affected them personally, how they feel about it, what their emotions are? Got one fact and one feeling. All right, so now going down the flow chart. So for the one that was, uh, tell me for the one that was fast. Are they facts and details or are they feeling? He's fast. Zach is fast and feeling. Fast and feeling. So he is either going to be what I call an optimizing soul or an expressive soul, one of the two. And uh, between the two, to tell which one it is, is going to be, is he more focused on um, uh, finding solutions to problems, coming up with inventive solutions, or is he more about communicating, influencing, uh, greater ideals, being part of a cause? Which one would you say fits him better? Oh, I think the problem solver. Problem solver. So he's an optimizer. So that's that's an interesting soul type because what it what it means is that he's a nonlinear thinker. That he doesn't go A B C D E. He goes A F G two R. Very and, much so. Yeah, and it it allows him to think completely outside the box. So he can take things that are existing and put them together in totally new ways that are completely unexpected and kind of come up with truly innovative solutions. Um, and it's because he has this this nonlinear process that he goes through. So he'll get and I believe each of the each of the soul types receives their intuition, their inspiration in a different place in their decision process. And for the optimizer, they get it. Well, they'll, they'll come up with they'll have a problem. And then all of a sudden they'll have this inspired idea and it'll live like a vision in their head, like a future vision of of where they're headed and they see it and they start to live that experience as if it's already happening. Yes, and, that's yeah. him to a T. Yes. And so then, and they fall in love with that idea. And then when they start their decision process, they don't go through the process of comparing a bunch of alternatives like most people do. What they do is they just go out and they look for, for confirming information, for information to prove that what they want to do might be possible. And once they have that, they're off and running and they're trying to make it happen. So it's, it is, um, yeah, it's, it's a re it's really different from your process. They're fast like you are. So you probably have simpatico that way, but they're, they are going to be much more future focused, whereas you are very focused in the moment in that kind of uh, ever present readiness to change direction. You're, you know, you're much more on alert and they're living in the future. So it's, it is a difference there between you. Very good. I mean, it's just like, you just need to be like, like on, on a, on a stage somewhere with a big, like cap, you know, cap and gown and, you know, staff like Harry Potter, just, you know, whizzing the stuff. Cause you know, you got my Zachary to a T and, um, 
Max is slow and he wants all the facts. And and what was the third question you asked? So, so if he's slow and he wants the facts, what that tells me is that he's what I call the learning style. He's a, oh. He is a learning soul. And so what that means is what motivates him most is mastery. So he's yes. going to love learning for learning's sake. And is one going to go really deep on the details. He's going to be drawn to things where he can develop true expertise. Um, so he's probably loves things like, you know, like music or computers or anything that takes practice and takes deep knowledge. Um, he could end up getting multiple degrees in his lifetime that just the thing of constantly loving to learn. Um, that is, and his, that is. Yeah. And the gift is that he has a really neutral energy that allows him to stay open minded longer than any other soul. So really being open to new ideas. This is so cool. You guys want to get a copy of her book, Undoubtedly Awesome. We'll be back after the break with more from Ann Tucker and her soul type wizardry. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. It's Marching ever wonder about the origin of Murphy's Law? You know the maxim that if anything can go wrong, it will. Murphy's Law was named after Captain Edward A. Murphy, an engineer working at Edwards Air Force Base in 1949. Captain Murphy was working on a project designed to measure how much sudden deceleration a human could stand in a crash. After discovering a transducer constructed for the experiment was wired wrong, Murphy squabashed the technician responsible by exclaiming, If there's any way to do it wrong, you'll find it. In other words, circumvent mistakes and miscabobbles before they happen. Aerospace manufacturers began quoting Murphy's Law to their engineers, and soon it became an eponym. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. Hey, guys.
guys and dolls. So we're here today with guest Ann Tucker, the author of Undoubtedly Awesome. And she clarified on break that it's the Harry Potter sorting hat. I was tr- struggling with that image going, I know you, I see her there with a wand and a cape and it's the sorting hat. And that, that hat that, that determined whether you went into Gryffindor or went into the different houses. That's what I feel that Anne could do. And um, I mean, you've been on different shows. I mean, we've done five or six episodes together and each yeah. time you've nailed my co-host accurately you've 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 described me to a t and now you've described both of my kids i have the learning soul he's more slow methodical facts and he 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 gets just to the facts and he likes to master things and then my other one zachary he's the fast decision maker he's very feeling and he's the optimizer and he does he lives in the future all the time he's talking about he's going to be a teacher and then he's going to be on disney's club and you know he's going to do all these things and (laughs) he's he lives them as if he's doing them now. And yeah. um, for me, Anne, I'm an experimental soul. Yes. And if you yes. want to share with everybody what that is, and then talk a little bit about how these three souls interact together. Yeah, absolutely. Because I bet you it is an amazing household dynamic with the three of you there. Um, because your soul type, so you are, you're an experimenting soul. And what that means is that your decision process is really different. So we talked about, we talked about your optimizer soul pro- decision process, how he said this nonlinear. Well, your process, and this is where your intuition comes in, is that, is that when you're faced with a problem, you'll be interested in getting really good data. So you're probably picky about your data. But once you yes. get your hands on good data, then you're going to be able to look at it and you will have intuitive insight into what actually matters is that you'll be able to to intuitively focus on what are the two or three things out of all this jumble that matter in terms of getting started and it'll come to you you'll just know this is what counts here and then you'll you will immediately have a plan in mind of what to do next and you'll start and you'll try it out and it won't be a plan that's going to take you through the next six months it's the plan to take you through the next three steps and what you'll do is you'll have plan b tucked away in your pocket and you'll just it's better you figure rather than planning and planning because no plan survives contact with with the world, right? You'll just experiment. You start moving. And then you're always ready to adapt along the way. So you stay in that comparison mode, looking at what's going on and then looking at what your alternatives are and what could you do differently? What could be better? And then ready to, to change directions if you need to. Does that make sense? Very much so. Yeah. So, so now imagine that, that you've got your two kids. So you've got one as your optimizing soul and the other one is your learning soul. And the interesting dynamic there is that they are opposites. That they 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 carry each other's weaknesses, and they care, and they and the other person is, has the strength that they need. So your optimizing soul tends to, because of that decision process where they're very nonlinear, they tend to have a lot of gaps in their thinking. They're not as methodical in their thinking. Whereas your learning soul is extremely methodical, is very thorough in his thinking. So the two of them, and he, and they're not going to understand each other very well. They're not going to speak each other's language very much, but. But they are exactly what the opposite one needs. They are what each other needs in order to to essentially be at their at their best. And then you've got you, which is which is you're like a little triangle, the three of you together. You're you're off to the side so you can relate extremely well to both of them. So as a single parent household, if it was a dynamic where you had a compatible soul type with one and incompatible with the other, that would be much harder. But as it is, you're you're sort of perfectly placed to be able to relate to both of them really well and on a different wavelength. 
So with your learning soul, he's going to be highly analytic and factual and, and pragmatic, and that's going to appeal to that side of you. And your other child is going to be very fast and energetic and moving, and that's going to appeal to that other part of you. So you're going to have great connections. You're going to be the bridge, essentially, between these two. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You just described, like, every car ra- ride we have to take because I'm in the front and the two boys are in the middle seats of my minivan and yeah. they're arguing and you know and you're right my my methodical thinker gets mad at my other son because he's got gaps in his logic and then yeah. the other son is all about like making weird combinations according to my <laughs> other son but these weird <laughs> combinations work and then they argue over the efficacy of it and I can see the value in both of and I can see where they complement each other even though they argue 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 yes. to stay is done yes <laughs> and I always used to look at my kids and go oh my gosh they're like my brain split in half like my yes. half of the brain is on this side of the car half of my brain is on that side of the car. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah, this- yeah I imagine it's a great it's, it's probably a lot of fun but probably hard sometimes too <laughs> it is it's a lot of fun it's definitely interesting it's never 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 dull no matter what we do it's never dull um, right but that's where your book has been so pivotal in helping me understand not only myself, but my staff, but my kids. Because let's face it, we don't leave work and become an entirely different person. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Although, you know, what's interesting is some people at work. So say, for example, if you joined a company that was um, had a culture that was very much in line with a coaching soul had to fit in so this was just for one reason or another you needed this job you had to stay in this job and it was diametrically opposed to your own soul type then what and that happens people end up in a place that's not a natural fit for them and they have to bend themselves in order to adapt to 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 succeed in this new environment and when that happens they will borrow traits from another soul type so when i meet people that have been in this situation i'm trying to assess their soul type sometimes it takes a while to parse it out because they'll have this overlay of other behaviors that they've adapted or learned that that don't quite fit it's like an ill-fitting shoe you know is that they can do it it's just not they don't have joy in it it doesn't fulfill them but they can do it and it feels it feels itchy it doesn't feel great but but they're capable of doing it um, and it's, it's, I think that's the other part that's so important about knowing your soul type is that, is that sometimes we get led down a path and we start to believe that doing it this other way, because we're in an environment where everyone else does it, we start to think that that's, that's what's valuable. That's what good is. And when you're staying more consistent with what your natural soul type is with the gifts that you're born with, that's where true fulfillment comes through. And if you end up in a life where you don't have the opportunity to express those talents, it can leave you feeling very strongly like something's lacking, like you're off purpose. Well, I can I can look at my career and go, okay, IBM, and then I taught at USC, then I was at uh, Disney and CBS, and then Coldwell Banker, which were all really different cultures, and each one of those cultures both fed and squashed some of my what I would say my natural attributes, and yeah. When I was through with all those big companies, and they're wonderful, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not complaining about any of them. They all gave me great experience, great education, great money, great contacts. But the only thing that was fulfilling for me was working on my own, where I could go at my own pace, I could create the way I wanted, I could buy the office supplies and configure my office this way. And next week, if I want to reconfigure it, I can do that for my own peace of mind. Um, There were things that I needed, freedoms that I needed that I couldn't find 
because, you know, here I had these great company pedigrees and I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I could do it. You know, I could, it was like mm-hmm. you come in the office, like I had my Disney outfit. I'd come in and put my Disney outfit on and then I would put my CBS <laughs> outfit on. And then I would put my, you know, the worst I, I fit, the worst was when I did my IBM. The IBM was my worst mm-hmm. fit. Of oh, I can only, especially because your soul type has a, has a real need to break the rules a little bit. <laughs> oh, a real need. It's a compulsion. It's yeah. not a real need. It's like, it's like breathing. And the first yeah. thing I did when they sent me, they sent me to the store to get all this pre-approved clothing. This was many, many years ago. Oh my god! And, um, I got these ugly skirts that were mid-calf, which was the worst cut for me. Absolutely. Oh, no. So I took them to a tailor and I had, you know, like eight inches cut off. They were above the knee. And then I had the, 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 you know, the boxy cut of the suit, everything tailored to be fitted. And I showed up to work and they're like, your hair has to be, you know, off your collar. This was oh, the look that I worked. So I had my hair pulled in a ponytail on top of my head like a palm tree, all with like ringlet curls going down <laughs> to my shoulders. But it was off my collar, like it didn't touch my. And so it became like a game because I was also in my twenties. To be fair, you know, it oh was also a game. See how much could I get away with that was still within the regulations of the manual. Yes, exactly, exactly. I'm surprised you didn't show up in like sparkly leg warmers underneath your suit. So, oh, yeah, if you could take and see my underwear. It would be like neon, <laughs> like like uh, Austin Powers. But yeah, there there were things that I thought I should do. You know, I went to Northwestern for my undergraduate and grad. So I thought since I went to this university that these would be the types of companies for me. And boy, was I wrong. Oh, yeah. We get so stuck in this mentality of should. And I think what's so hard about that is that is that we only know what we experience, what we're living in that moment. And we start to think that, well, this is this is just the way that it is. This is what success is and this is what it takes to to be successful. But I'm telling you that there are. You know, if you look at at all the big companies in the United States, there is the CEO of every of one of these companies. There are different soul types in every every single one of these companies. That there are coaching soul CEOs, there's expressive soul CEOs, there's optimizing soul CEOs, and those CEOs then set, especially if it's a founder, they set the culture of the company. So it mm. is possible to find a company where your particular traits, where your where your strengths are really valued, and that you're a, a perfect fit. And then it's also really it, you just can happen to end up in a company where you're not a fit, where you're an opposite. So so finding a place that you land where that really caters to your strengths, where your strengths are valued and rewarded. Um, as a matter of fact, I've you know, as a coach, I've worked with people that have then um, been forced out at when the company was bought or transitioned to a leader that had a different soul type. Oh, I've had that. We've had that happens in departments. You know, somebody with a different soul type comes in and they don't like to work with virtual, you know, employees and all of a sudden everything changes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very true. So it's, you know, I think it's just important for one of the important things for people to understand is that um, they can find a home (laughs) that, you know, in terms of their work life, their professional life, that where their strengths are valued and where their strengths are prioritized. Um, Well, and I'm living proof that, you know, if you just keep trying, you can find a place where you're excited to go to work every day. And the best part of my job is nobody can fire me but me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I can only fire myself. Right. Right. Right up today for being snarky on the air. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I encourage everybody to get a copy of Undoubtedly Awesome uh, Ann Tucker's book. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to undoubtedlyawesome.com. You will not be sorry. This is one of those books that I believe every manager, every employee, every uh, work at home, telecommuter, entrepreneur, every salesperson should read this book and really learn these soul types because you will be more effective. You will make more money. You will make better connections. You'll get more done in less time with less stress. And at the end of the day, that's what we want so we can create the life we want. And Tucker, thank you for being my guest today. Undoubtedly Awesome is the book. Get your copy today. We'll be back again next week. Thank we you want much. you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio.